Okay, so in a couple of moments here, Elliot Friedman and I will discuss the uh, the rumors, the speculation, the talk about Rick Tockett and the Vancouver Canucks. That's coming up in a couple of moments. In the meantime, to kick off the show, uh, and I want to get Matt Marchese involved in this one for a couple of seconds. Um, Maddie, you have a tweet that I wanted to lead with today because I've been laughing about it pretty much all morning long. First of all, good morning, good afternoon, Maddie. Uh, how are you today, and what do you have for us? Uh, I'm good, and uh, yes, I got this tweet from uh, Tyler Cool, who uh, who I've known for a bit. And so, to, just to preface yep. this, a, a a a woman named Nila, oh my goodness, Lopun Lopu Sansonova, say that five times fast, mm-hmm. uh, scored a Michigan yes. in the women's under eighteen worlds. And uh, Tyler's response yep. with the video attached was, please bring this up on the show yeah. today so Jeff Merrick can grumble about the Michigan being a high wraparound. <laughs> about the Michigan being a high wraparound, which is what it really is. But um, <laughs> first of all, here's here's how I feel about the Michigan. And like those are always going to be highlights, no matter who does them, when they do them. Uh, my kid was skating this morning at NTR in Newmarket. He did it again. Like, it's it's just become it has just become part of everybody's repertoire of moves now like it's getting to the place and it's been there for a while it's getting to the spot where all the kids can do it so all the NHLers can do it like once upon a time there was you know there were moments where you remember when Sidney Crosby did it at Ramuski and everyone went whoa to say nothing of leg and Armstrong going all the way back uh, to when it first originated then it was sort of really special and Players tried to do it and tried to figure it out, and only a scant few could. Some didn't want to because they thought that they were insulting the game or diminishing the integrity of play and turning it into a big joke. This is just kind of like how shooting the puck between your legs once upon a time was a hot dog move. Now, sometimes it's just a smart play. You know, we see Matthew Kachuk do it on the regular. That goal against the National Predators that he scored was it last year, or maybe it was the year before. All these games and years run together at my age. Um, you looked at it, and the old school guys looked at it and said, oh, look at that hot dog move. And some of the newer generation people just said, that's just what you do because it's a smart play. Rick Nash would do that between the legs move all the time, not because he's trying to hot dog it, but because beside the net, sometimes that's just the smartest play and the smartest way to get the puck up. So it's not that I'm just grumbling about it being a, a, a high wraparound, which it is. It's a cool move, but I think that we're kind of all getting past it, aren't we? That this is just this is just part of the the repertoire that everybody has in his or her skill set now, right? The ability to do this. Like by the time you get to the NHL. Whether you're an elite player in the NHL or not, and generally you won't be because that's the best competition in the world, but getting there, generally you've been the best player on your team on every team you've ever been on, period. So you have the skill set to do that by the time you reach the NHL right now. I'm just surprised that people are still impressed by it. It's cool. It looks neat. It's different. We don't see it a lot. But it's not as if everybody doesn't have the ability to do this. Agree or disagree, Maddie? Before I make a couple of points here and move on to Fridge. Yeah, yeah, they do. They do have the ability to do that. They they've gotten there for a reason. You don't get there just just because anymore. Yeah. You have to have a certain skill set. I'll tell you, the one person I always think about when somebody scores on a Michigan is Robbie Shrimp, because my goodness, what would Robbie Shrimp look like in in today's NHL? He would be so much fun. Robbie Shrimp. <laughs> I remember at the uh, the CHL NHL 
prospects game, Robbie Shrimp did one from the blue. Remember he did that? He did the uh, the lacrosse scoop and then spun and fired it from just under the blue line. Didn't score, but I think that was the first time we'd seen that in a game. Grabbing it under the blue line and throwing it, just like launching the puck at the net instead of wrapping it around. I'm kind of surprised that we haven't got there yet. Players throw, like scooping up the puck from somewhere inside the offensive zone and throwing it off their blade. Maybe we get there, but Shrimp was the first that I saw do it. And I don't think I've seen anyone else do it since. Scoop it up in the offensive zone and throw the puck. This is during the game. Sure, and warm up and practice, etc. But during the game, haven't seen that. One other thing, and I wanted to mention this off the top, and if we have time, we'll get Elliot's thoughts on this. You know what the highlight for me of the night was last night? Like there were a, f- a few really cool moments, and yes, we're going to get to Connor McDavid, and yes, we're going to get to you know what Connor McDavid was able to do to Trevor Zegers yesterday in that Edmonton Anaheim game. But the coolest thing happened last night. Phoenix Copley won another game for the Los Angeles Kings. With Phoenix Copley, the Los Angeles Kings are twelve and two. We've made this point. He saved their season. The celebration with Will Ferrell in the corner of the ice. With Will Ferrell up against the glass, I know you're going to hear it. Well, what about that glass banging, Merrick? That was just a really cool moment of Phoenix Copley and Will Ferrell celebrating after the Los Angeles Kings beat the San Jose Sharks. And here's my other, here's my other point about Phoenix Copley. So John Anderson, who used to coach him in Chicago, his nickname was Clark Kent because, you know, behind those glasses there was Superman. If you're from the North Pole, right? If you're from the North Pole, how is your nickname not Santa? You know how everyone in the NHL whose last name is Campbell, Cassie gets this, your name is Soup or Soupy or Soups? If you're from the North Pole, how is your nickname not Santa? Maybe just we just refer to Phoenix Copley as Santa from now on because he's given out gifts for the Los Angeles Kings. He's kept them in the fight. He's 12-2, and two, and he's saving their season. Let's get underway. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, welcome back to the program here. Okay, so we got all that Michigan, Copley, Santa, North Pole, Will Ferrell talk out of the way, although we may just revisit it at, at some point during today's show. Also on today's show, bottom of the hour, Mark Savard will stop by Windsor Spitfire's head coach, who's now in charge of handling the career of Shane Wright. So Savvy's going to join us here at the bottom of the hour. Former broadcaster, former colleague, uh, former, you know, outstanding uh, passer in the NHL. One of the best passers of his generation. I think the the, the question mark or the, um, the, the question has always been, in his era, who is a better passer, Mark Savard or Joe Thornton? Discuss amongst yourselves. Uh, in the meantime, Elliot Friedman joins me from 32 Thoughts on Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Frege. How are you doing, Jeff? Back to my walk. Oh, okay. So you're trotting, you're getting your steps in very good. You're exercising, even though it's uh, kind of overcast, a little bit chilly and a little bit drizzly. Uh, I am very proud of you that you are committed uh, to your daily walks here on the program. So as we walk with Elliot, let's begin with walk and talk. And by talk, we mean talk it. As oh, in good Rick one. And the Vancouver Canucks. Eh. You know, I, sometimes I play a host here on radio or podcasts. Um, so... This one's kind of been whispered, not for very long, but it's kind of been out there. What what have you heard? What do you know? Rick Tockett, Vancouver Canucks. We know Vancouver's on this, you know, extended road trip. Your thoughts on all the, the whispers about Rick Tockett? 
Well, you, you gave me a homework assignment, and I worked at it. And uh, this is what I think, Jeff. Uh, I, I think that Vancouver and Rick Talk had had some discussions a while ago. They didn't go anywhere. I think Vancouver talked to a few coaches who were available, potential coaches who were available, and I, I think they re-engaged with Talkit. And the best way I could put it right now is I think it's in the Canucks' hands. Do they want to do it or not? And I don't think it's imminent. I, I think if they make a change, it's still probably a couple weeks away. Uh, but I, and again, I want to say if they make a change, I think it's a couple weeks away. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to Rick Talkett, I think it's a decision that's up to the Canucks. Uh, Vancouver, by the way, faces off against the Tampa Bay Lightning this evening. Watch that one on Sportsnet Pacific, 7 o'clock Eastern. Um, th- I'm not trying to insult Rick Tockett here. I'm just curious why Rick Tockett. I mean, we know that he's, he's you know, been a coach in the NHL before. There are other teams that tried to hire him. I believe he was interviewed by Winnipeg. He was interviewed he was. by Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. what, 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 is was. Specific, what is specific to Rick Tockett? Well, I think one of the reasons is that Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin know him really well, right? Um, you know, they, yes, um, you know, they, you know, th- this is really, when it comes to them, um, you know, uh, Bruce Boudreaux kind of came in around the same time as Rutherford, but it was, <laughs> excuse me, Jeff, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a jumble at the time, and I'm still really not sure to this day how it all worked out. Um, this really is their first hire where they've had any real time in Vancouver together, Rutherford and Alvin, mm-hmm. to make the call. And so I would think that one reason they would have interest in talk, it would be their familiarity with them. And, you know, one of the things we're talking about, the Canucks right now, is the mix of unique personalities that are there and could be there for a while. Well, he had a lot of success in Pittsburgh with one of the most unique personalities in the NHL, and that was Phil Kessel. So I would, mm-hmm. I would think that that would, like, look, like, you know, when you're making a big hire, if you know someone, does it give them an edge? Yeah, I think it does. And of course it does. People, people might not like to hear that, but it does. And uh, so I think if they go this route, I would think familiarity would be the, the biggest reason. I, I think that's true of any industry. I, I know we like to, to harp on the NHL and say, oh, yes. it's you know, all, all chummy-chummy and hiring buddies. But in every industry, people hire other people who they're comfortable with. Yes, that's it. Do. If you have a track record with people, you generally defer to, uh, to that person. Um, we'll do a little more work on this throughout the day, and we'll uh, you and I will regroup tonight for the podcast, and that'll be out tomorrow morning. So look for more on that uh, on tomorrow's podcast that comes out in the morning. Um, meanwhile, the other thing that I wanted to address with you is this is going to be a glorious night. Montreal Canadiens facing off against the Nashville Predators, and there will be a, a celebration and acknowledgement uh, of not just the work on the ice but off the ice as well. Uh, of P.K. Subban. Uh, we all remember how Montrealers felt when he was traded uh, yeah. and the nature of the generosity off the ice to say nothing of the play on the ice, uh, what happened with his you know, career in, in Nashville into, in, into New Jersey and the injuries, etc. And uh, I want to focus on the offseason for P.K. Subban. So in the, in the Michael Tracos uh, piece that, that came out yesterday, you know, Subban had talked about you know, teams like Edmonton, 
looking at Subban. There were other squads. How would you how would you describe what happened to Subban this off season? Because it it does really appear as if he was maybe more than I don't want to say offended because that might sound too strong. Maybe just miffed that there wasn't more substantial interest in PK Subban. Well, I, first of all, I don't think this is going to be a short ovation tonight. I, I, I'm betting on no. that. As a matter of fact, a group of some friends in outside hockey, um, <laughs> they, they're doing like a, they want to do a bet. Like everybody pick an over-under on how long the ovation uh, as, uh, lasts tonight. Well, I should probably get Cabby the, to set some odds. <laughs> the, the, uh, the record is Rocket Richard. Like, yeah, he's not that's, beating that. That's the one. I, I don't I, think I, he's beating that yeah, one. I, I, don't, I, I don't think he's beating Rocket Richard, but there have been some lengthy ovations that we've seen and heard in Montreal, but I don't think anyone's touching the rocket here, Fridge. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone. You know, Subban's a big star, but he's not that big a star. Uh, uh, but he's a huge star. Um, you know, I, I, I think this. Like, I had, a, I had a conversation with a GM this summer about Subban. Like, I, I think, you know, I still think PK had more to offer as a player. Um, I was I was kind of surprised he didn't end up somewhere this year. Um, and uh, um, I had a talk with one general manager who he wouldn't tell me if he was interested, but I suspect based on this answer he was. And and he said that I think you're almost insulting him if you go in and say to him. You know, PK, we, your role is probably going to be a third pair defender, and you know, we and with the cat not really going anywhere, we can only offer you, I don't know what, low seven figures or uh, under like mm-hmm. closer to minimum salary. And I, first of all, I don't want to say only because a lot of people are very happily play in the NHL for that. But I, I think it was a big change from where he was. And you know, reading PK's comments in, in that piece. I I could see how that would have bothered him. And I think there were just teams who felt that he wasn't a top four guy anymore. And would he be happy in that role? And uh, I think that's one of the reasons he didn't get signed. I think the other thing too is, is that, you know, PK obviously had a lot of interest, uh, other interests in his career, other things he wanted to do with his life. And, um, you know, I, I bet you that as, he kind of saw where the market was. I would bet you he probably thought, you know what? I, I can do a lot of other things that are a lot of fun to me. Um, so I, I bet, like, I don't want to speak for him, but I think all of those are part of it. You know, it's, it, it, it's really, I still remember that day where he got traded and, and how crazy it was. Like, you know, like, there's some people, I think this is so important now, you know, you need people in Canada who can handle the stage as players. Like, that's why the Sedins were so yep. successful in Vancouver, because they could handle the stage. And, you know, uh, that's why Matt Sundin, I thought, was very successful in Toronto. You know, we, we annoyed him sometimes, but he generally could really handle the stage. And, you know, PK, he was made for that stage. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I... I, I it turned out to be a good trade for Montreal. Shea Weber did a lot of good things there. But it, you kind of wonder what could have been. You really do. 
You know, it's it's funny too because, and you know, a lot of people made this point. This isn't you know our exclusive, but it, it seemed as if the minute the Montreal Canadiens made the PK Subban trade, the first thing they went about was trying to find someone to do what PK Subban did. Like PK Subban and Shea Weber are completely different types of defensemen. Um, not that Subban wasn't physical. Shea Weber is next level. Not that yeah. PK Subban didn't have a dynamite shot from the point. Shea Weber was next level. But as far as breaking the puck out, for example, skating the puck out, moving the puck out, those types of things, whether he's passing it or, or wheeling it himself, um, it seemed as if the, the one thing that Montreal did right away is they moved Subban, they got Shea Weber, okay, we got a, our next captain, and you know we've got this beast on the blue line, but we still need players that can move the puck out, still players that can transition the puck. And you know we've always talked about this. You know, yeah, you may make a trade and bring someone in that uh, that you want and it, it is desirable, but at the same time, you have to be sensitive to the idea of how much of a hole are you leaving from a player's point of view, from a skill set point of view, when you let go of that player. And it seemed as if right away Montreal went, okay, we got Weber, but now who's going to break the puck out of our zone here? Because Subban did it almost effortlessly. Yeah, it was a one-man breakout, that's for sure. Um, you know, it, like I said, I, I, you know, I, we can't always write our exits, right, Jeff? Very few of us uh, yeah. get to do it. And, like, like I think over the years, uh, as the Canadians fans grew to accept Weber, like, you can't make that trade without it being Subban for Weber, right? Like, there's just no way you can do it. Yeah. But I bet you if you're a Montreal fan, you're probably sitting there and saying, I wish we could have found a way to have both. Because there will, yeah. be, there will be a lot of Canadians fans who think very fondly of Weber, but tonight they'll be looking at Subban and saying, Man, I wish, I, I wish we had a proper, uh, a proper chance to to see him more. The other thing with PK that was tough, and I know some fans told me this, is that, you know, Chara, who retired right before the season, we kind of knew mm-hmm. that this was it for him, and Yandel, I think we kind of knew uh, this was it for him, and but you know, Subban, we didn't know, and I think this is probably the first real chance anyone's had to say goodbye to him and I would expect that that adds another layer of emotion tonight you know what I always thought that's interesting you mentioned that Elliot what I always thought about PK Subban was he was going to get the the Dennis Potfan treatment remember that last year for Potfan you know market to market and you know there was the the big thank you from the teams uh, the bouquet of flowers the frame pictures like whatever for you know thank you for your time in the NHL all-star defenseman future hall of famer etc I kind of thought that we were going to see another version of that or this generation's version of you know the the Dennis Potfan farewell tour but this time starring PK Subban I always thought that that was going to happen for each you know, it's kind of not the hockey way. Like, I remember the NBA did that, uh, Abdul-Jabbar. I thought it was pretty incredible. <laughs> Everywhere he went, he got a, yeah. a goodbye, right? And I think Dr. J was the same thing. Um, everywhere he went, he kind of got a goodbye. And I, I thought those things were pretty cool. I got to tell you something. Like, not like I'm ever going to be in a position like that. I would hate that if it was me. I would be like, oh, God, I can't tolerate this anymore. But, like, I I just, you know, I don't know. Like, 
you know, it didn't happen for Gretzky, obviously, because he waited until the end of the season to yeah. announce his decision. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, a player that, you know, and I don't know. Like, like could you see, like, for, for I was like, say McDavid did that. Could you see him tolerating that? Not a chance. I can't. But, but then again, like, I look back at that pot fan thing and I say, like, because I'm with you, like, it doesn't seem like a very hockey thing to do. But yeah. there it was for for Dennis Potvin. Now, if, a couple of years later, the Rangers tried to lure him out of retirement for their, you know, inevitable Stanley Cup run. You know, he spent the summer, you know, rollerblading and trying to get the skills back and everything. And finally, he told Mike Keenan, yeah, I can't do this and I'm going to stay retired. But I can't think of any player other than, to be honest with you, P.K. Subban, who would have been comfortable doing the farewell tour. And that's kind of well, how I, I always thought it was going to end for him. You know, I never even thought about that. Like, you know, that's just shows why we're such a wonderful work couple, Jeff. Our minds work so differently opposite to track. I've never, I never <laughs> would have thought of that, but you're right. I think he would have been able to handle it. Uh, Buttercup, that's why I love you. Okay, so a couple <laughs> of other things here around the, uh, ar- around the NHL. We talked a little bit yesterday about uh, the game of the week, and we never thought at the beginning of the season we'd look at today, you know, January the 12th, it's a Thursday, and oh, look at the schedule, there's 12 games, and we're circling Seattle and Boston. Yeah. Boston 19-0-3 at home. Seattle have won six games in a row. By the way, they're all on the road. You know, yeah. I was having this conversation yesterday, yesterday, and I had a similar conversation with uh, with Bob Stoffer a couple of days ago about the Boston Bruins and the one thing more than anything else that that completely changed, I think, the direction of the Boston Bruins because this was a team that we were looking at and saying, okay, they're probably on the shady side of the mountain and they're you know they're winding down this group. And then they come out of the gate this year, and it's a 77 Habs, or it seems to be, and they're, you know, we're measuring points, et cetera, even though it's different generations. I think the one thing that's really different, and maybe we don't give it enough attention, because we talk about Bergeron, we talk about Jim Montgomery, Hampus Lindholm, man. Hampus Lindholm has totally changed this team, and Boston mm-hmm. has the luxury of having at any time either McAvoy or Lindholm on the squad. You know, yesterday I was saying... It's kind of like, you know, the Anaheim Ducks when they won the Stanley Cup in 2007. They had the luxury. You could either have Scott Edermeyer on the ice or, or Chris Pronger on the ice. Good luck to any other team. I look at Lindholm and the Boston Bruins and this record and what they're doing, Stanley Cup favorites, President's Trophy favorites, etc. And I keep coming back to the presence of Hampus Lindholm. Agree or disagree? I, I think that has uh, a lot to do with it. Yes, I think he's been a great uh, find for him, uh, for them. But I think the other thing is that um, is is the coaching change. Like Bruce Cassidy, by his own admission, I don't think he, if he was still there, he would have given uh, Hampus Lindholm the same kind of free reign. It's just not the way that he generally prefers to do things. I think it's a combination of of how good a player Lindholm is. And also the fact he's playing for a coach that says, Hampus, you can go. And I think, I think it's a combination of both those things, Jeff. Um, you, know, uh, you know, Boston, you know, if you look, you know, some of the coaches they've gone through, Claude Julien, he was a master of building up a defensive system that could really protect the house. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so was Cassidy. Uh, he was another guy, protect the house. He kind of had a bit more of a passive defensive system but it was protect the house. And, and, and Montgomery's an attacker. Um, he's always been an offensive, like, I mean, you've got to defend, 
but he's always been a guy who preaches go, go, go. You know, Seattle, it's funny. I still don't think they get the respect they deserve. Like, at what point in time do you say this is for real? And I, I go back to the beginning of the season, um, and after uh, exhibition play, I had a few people tell me, like, Seattle's better. They're faster. They're they're more skilled. Um, uh, they they really have a lot. They're a lot deeper. And, you know, mm-hmm. like Jeff, like, I look at their roster, and I think they still have holes. But everybody, like, they're, they're a bit like, they're a bit Islanders light. Like, they're, they're, everybody knows where everybody's supposed to be. Everybody understands their role. Everybody knows what they're supposed to do. And you don't, you don't come on, a, on this kind of road trip and have the results they have uh, without, you know, without everybody buying in and being on the same page. You know, one of the things one of the players there told me was that when you have the kind of year that you had last year, um, everybody springs to attention a little bit more. Like, what does it take to fix this so that we don't do this again? And I think those players have mm-hmm. really bought in. By the way, sneaky good season on the Seattle Kraken that I don't think we're talking enough about. And no, it's not Daniel Sprong because you. I was going to say, are you going to bring up the Sprong again? No, yeah. no, no, no. You know who's having a really sneaky good season? Vince Dunn. Yeah, Vince really Dunn's good been season. really good there for age. Yeah. He's uh he's been you know it's it's having that conversation yesterday about the Boston Bruins final thought on this one I got a after I finished the conversation I got a text from someone uh who would be in the capacity to know let's just say yeah. and he said you know if Hampus Lindholm is healthy throughout the playoffs last season Bruce Cassidy might still be in Boston Jim Montgomery might be the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights Interesting how, you know, it's a butterfly flaps its wings, chaos theory, etc. How things join together and how that one injury to Hampus Lindholm, you know, may have cost Cassidy's job. And and Jim Montgomery could have been the head coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. Anyhow, okay, a couple more things from last night. Whenever Uh, whenever I think of Hampus Lindholm, I think about the trip to Europe. Uh, The interviews did in Paris where at the end of the interview with Lindholm, he said, oh, by the way, my place burned down today. Like, like what? Like, remember that? I know, right? Yeah. I mean, I was glad to hear that nobody was hurt and everybody was okay, but he was so casual about it. I know. It's like, just casually, like, oh, I just had a wonderful cup of coffee around the corner. You should check it out. Oh, yeah. You know, my house burned down. What? What? I know. Bury the lead. Um, Yeah. Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers last night. First of all, um, Arrest, arrest that man, uh, Connor McDavid, for what he did yesterday to Trevor Zegris. Like, you want to talk about, okay, okay, I'm going to show you how we play hockey on my planet. That's what Connor yeah. McDavid did yesterday to Trevor Zegris, and the background, the, the backhand was absolutely gorgeous. Um, you know, McDavid's on a 151-point pace. They needed it in a big way, and they got at it early, and the first period this game was over. I don't know how much more we can add to the legacy of Connor McDavid, but that was another gorgeous Connor McDavid game, Elliot. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was a brilliant goal. It, they, like, to me, the thing is, and I mean, what else do you say about McDavid? He's the MVP this year, Jeff, because we've talked about it's over. I mean, you know, the, yeah. uh, you know he, he's the Vince like, Carter. The, yeah, it's over. Like, absolutely, it's over. Like, the only way he's not going to get the heart is if he's kidnapped and isn't able to actually get it physically. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. but the thing, the bigger thing for the Oilers is the win. Like, that's a game you absolutely have to have. You have to have it. 
And not only did they jump on them quickly, but Anaheim scores, I think they cut it to 2-1, to one, and they got right back on them again. It was 4-1 by the end of the period. And, like, that's, that's what you have mm-hmm. to do. Like, like, like I, w- I was thinking about the Ryan McDonough interview that we did the other day. And, you know, what does mm-hmm. he talk about? Like, take no prisoners. He learned from Dustin Brown. Like, there's yeah. no friendships out there. Take no prisoners. That was a take no prisoners game for the Oilers. Take no prisoners. They had to do it, and they did. And the other thing, too, is watching the broadcast last night, you know, the other thing Edmonton had was when you're going through what they're going through, like, it sucks. Like, the, it's a maelstrom around you. You feel like oh, it's yeah. the end of the world. And then in one intermission, I, I think he talked to Darnay and his family. So you have a really good story there about a guy making his ECHL debut, and that stat you came up, or his NHL debut coming from the ECHL, and that stat you came up with yesterday with him and McMahon was, was unbelievable. But, and then Wichita the other Thunder, baby. Bruce Ramsey, the, Bruce Ramsey. Yeah, and the other one was Costin. Like, he was a good interview, too. So yeah. it was not only a night where they won, but it was a night where they could feel good about themselves because they had a couple of good stories. And G did a, a couple of really nice interviews. And you know what the Ovis needed? They just needed a good night. And they got one. And, yeah. look, it doesn't solve all their problems. And, you know, they they got to get better. But when you're going through the what my a friend of mine used to call the tunnel of poop. Sometimes you need something that smells nice <laughs> to get you out of it. Oh, lovely. I uh, hope yeah. everybody had breakfast or, or lunch already because uh, Elliot's yeah. thinking the joint out. Um, I want to end on this one. Los Angeles Kings. i got a couple of points for you here. Um, Quentin Byfield with his first of the season adds a helper as well. Um, Phoenix Copley wins again. And Phoenix Copley celebrates with checks video Will Farrell in the corner. Oh, and also, off the top of the show, I wondered about this. How is someone from the North Pole not nicknamed Santa? John Anderson, the coach him? from Chicago, would call him. I, that's, that's, on the, that's on the list, Elliot. That's on the list. Uh, John Anderson, when he coached him in Chicago, would refer to him as Clark Kent because behind the glasses was Superman. Um, oh. Your thoughts on any or maybe even none of these, uh, uh, of these issues with L.A. last night? My first thing is, in an unrelated story, Phoenix Copley says he's not doing any interviews with Merrick. Um, but, like, you know, <laughs> the, like, like it, it's really crazy. And, you know, I think, like, like honestly, some of it gets lost because it's out on the West Coast. But there are probably about 20 other markets that Copley was doing this right now. It would be, like, one of the biggest oh. stories in the NHL. 100%. You know, it, 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 really, it really would be. I mean, he's he's basically saved their season. Like he's he's absolutely saved their season, and uh, I think that he's uh, I think he's done a great job. And you know, Jeff, we've talked about it. How many true, pure number one goalies are left in the NHL? And if you're not one of those people, what's your job? Your job is to make one more save than the next guy. And he's smart enough to know that. Like, he's, I mean, and you know what? I think guys like that, they've been around for a long time. Like, the one thing about a, a guy like Coffey that I think can work, like, there's probably a lot of people who would go into his situation in L.A. this year in the organization and, and say, I, I'm never going to play this year unless somebody gets hurt because they've got quick and he's not yeah. going anywhere and they got Peterson and he just signed an extension. And 
all of a sudden Peterson ends up in the minors and he's called up and he's, but he's a veteran too. He's been around. He's like, yeah, I know hockey's crazy. Uh, I, you know, like weird stuff happens in this league. And I think when you're mm-hmm. experienced a bit, you're better prepared to handle it. He's been outstanding. Uh, Will Farrell, the celebration. That, that's the only time I, I encourage glass banging, by the way, is the, <laughs> uh, the Phoenix Copley, Will Farrell banging on the glass between each other. Such a nice touch. I, I, you uh, know to what? I think like, that's All a right. great little thing. Great little thing. Yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, well, let's get back to your walk in the uh, in the chilly drizzle. Thanks as always, Fridge. We'll uh, regroup tonight for the for the podcast and figure out some more on uh, Rick Tockett in Vancouver. Thanks as always. All right, buddy. Take good care. There he is, Elliot Friedman, on his chilly walk the this afternoon slash this morning, depending on where you are listening.